0: Welcome to the Rise Method podcast where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve, let's jump in. So, before we get started with this podcast, just for some context, this audio is actually from a live video that was broadcast to our Facebook group. So, there might be some awkward pauses and times where we're waiting for questions. So, um, if you want to go actually watch that video, you can head on over to our Facebook community group. So, just type in Rise Method Community Hub and you can actually watch the live video as it comes out or you can just tune in and listen to it now. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey Rise, Steve here and welcome to this very special live question and answer where I'll be able to answer any of your questions around fitness and health and we're going to start by talking about a few common problems that folks face when they're starting their fitness journey. Now if you're not sure who I am, my name's Steve and I am a Fitness professional. I'm a coach. Um, I have a few other titles under my belt. Like I'm an osteopath, so I get to use the title of a doctor. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I'm a nutritionist, um, and I've done a whole bunch of fitness things like running a marathon, doing a bodybuilding competition, dabbling in powerlifting, Olympic lifting, swimming, all that stuff, but that stuff doesn't matter. Look, what really you need to know is that I care, and I want you to get the most out of your fitness journey, and I hope that I can pass on some of my experiences in fitness onto you so that you don't make the same Mistakes that I have, and that you can navigate the complicated fitness space. Now, Within Rise, we are starting our next challenge next week and we are at about 75% capacity. So if you're sitting on the fence and you're still unsure if you're willing to join or not, um, we are going to be limiting the numbers because um, so we're having an overwhelming response from the community here joining us on Rise. And we want to offer you guys the best service possible on our app. So in the app, it's really cool. You can uh, message me directly and I've helped many folks improve their technique execution and help understand Ravel some uh, complicated problems around fitness and training, mainly around nutrition side of stuff. Um, and yeah, we just want to make sure that you guys get the best service on our app. So we will just be uh, restricting some of the numbers there. But more on that later. And this is, this live isn't meant to be a, an ad for that. But we're going to talk about a few problems now. If you're watching live, you can ask a question at any time. I could see down below if you ask a question, I'll be able to answer that. And then maybe at the time. Towards the end, we might do maybe a bit of a a technique workshop if you have any questions around technique or movement or exercise, something like that. So let's talk about some uh, common problems that folks face around fitness and what we can do to solve those problems. So firstly, you are starting a fitness journey. You see programs that are around muscle building and fat loss. You see two types of programs, muscle building, fat loss, and you look at both and you're like, well, both of those sound quite lucrative. I want to build some muscle. I want to lose some body fat. I want a bit of everything. What do I do? And that's okay. Let's talk about it. So, you want to build some muscle. You want to lose some body fat. The goal that most of us have in fitness. We want to develop our physique. We want to have a bit of shape. We want to have a bit of tone in our muscle. We want to look, uh, you know, nice with our top off, uh, and you know, look sexy. That's what we what we want, and that's that's fine. It's totally acceptable. Now. In the fitness space, we know that to make significant progress to a goal, we need to focus on that goal. Much like if you were learning a language, so let's say you wanted to learn two different languages, let's say Mandarin and Spanish, they're two different types of languages, you wanted to learn both, it would be hard to try to learn both at the same time because you get a little bit of conflicting results. And within fitness, when we talk about muscle building and fat loss, they're actually completely different strategies. To build muscle, we're trying to add tissue to our body. So we need an excess of energy. So we need more supplies to add, add tissue to our body. And then if we want to lose fat, we needed a, um, a deficit of energy or resources that we can decrease our body mass. So because they're so different, one requires an excess, one requires a deficit, that doing both at the same time is limited to a small population um, and that's to make significant progress with those and some of us might be able to make small progress uh, but we'll talk about that in a moment. So the populations that are able to lose body weight or um, body fat and build muscle at the same time in a significant amount are those that are true beginners. So you are exercising for the very first time or you're returning to exercise after a long break. So maybe you were I don't know, fit in your teens or your twenties, and now you're in your thirties or your forties. You're getting back into exercise, or maybe you've um, coming back from an injury, or maybe you uh, had had kids, or moved into state, changed jobs. Those are things that had a break from exercise. So those folks can see significant improvements in their muscle mass and in their fat loss. Okay. Uh, the third population are those that are enhanced. So some of those folks that are on PEDs or or things like testosterone and stuff like that but we're going to talk about that now for the rest of us we can see uh you know small improvements in our true muscle mass and true um fat loss if we're around kind of our maintenance calories and we stick to it for a a long time so maybe a 12 month period we can see some small improvements in both those things so decrease in body fat increase in muscle mass but it's really hard it's really hard because you're kind of just tinkering on a balance, right? Because you're trying to stay at maintenance. You've got to train really hard to see any change. Um, and you've got to really manage your fatigue because as soon as your training stimulus decreases, it falls out. So what does that leave us with? Well, ultimately we do need to choose one or the other and the best approach is is to make it a phasic approach because fitness is for life where you might choose to do like a muscle building phase for you know 6 or 12 weeks and then a fat loss phase for 6 or 12 weeks and you might just cycle between the two Muscle building, you know, we're trying to commit to that where we're trying to eat in a surplus. We're trying to gain some body mass like many of us have in this community here. And even today, or I think it was yesterday, seeing someone like Ben Fitz, you know, who was proud to be get up to the the triple digits. So like myself, you know, once you get into that triple digits, great. We're actually putting on a bit of size and then we might lose some weight where we might drop, you know, five to 10 kilos and then bring ourselves back up. So we're on this, this cycle of putting on muscle and losing body fat. Now, for some of us, that's a lot of effort, a lot of mental strategy of like, oh, shit, like that's, that's you know, hard to think about it. And realistically, most of us, what we want, what we want is fat loss goals. So most of us right now want fat loss goals because when we lose fat, uh, you know, the excess tissue that's in between our skin and our muscle, when we lose that body fat, our muscles become uh, you know, more, more shapely because you can see them. You start to look slimmer. Um, you start to fit nicer in your clothes. You start to have the feeling that we want when we're exercising. Like, oh, I want to feel confident. I want to feel powerful. I want to feel sexy because I'm losing body fat. So most of us, when we're in that balance of, Oh, I want to build muscle and lose body fat at the same time. Most of us are in this kind of like fat loss area. Where we're, oh, I want to truly lose Body fats. So, most of us, we probably benefit from starting there. Now, if you have been trying to diet or lose fat or um, lose weight for a period of time, let's say, you know, one, two, three months or beyond, so we're looking at that kind of six to 18 week window. If you've been truly dieting for that phase, you'll probably benefit from a little bit of a break where we're kind of like trying to keep our body weight the same or transitioning into this true muscle-building phase. And that's, that's often a very big mental shift where we are constantly trying to reduce, trying to lose weight, and then mentally shifting into this uh, muscle-building, weight-gaining building phase is, is hard mentally to, to commit to. Uh, and the thing I'll say about that is when we are in a muscle-building phase, we do experience some fat gain, and that is a side effect of it. That gain is often very small amounts, uh, but that small short-term gain offers a long-term reward. And we are all adults here, and we often make short-term sacrifices for long-term gains. And that could be, you know, staying up late to learn a new skill so you're better at your job, or maybe working later at your job so you can get a promotion, um, or maybe trying to, pinch your dollars so that you can save money so you can go on a holiday. So we make short-term sacrifices for long-term gains. So if you want really long-term transformation in your physique, there's some of the transactions that you need to make to see that really big step up. But (laughs) I'm talking to maybe my intermediate advanced folks here, the majority of us focusing around fat loss goals. So the other day, It's okay to have both muscle building and fat loss goals. We all do, we all wanna develop our physique. The best approaches is to have a bit of a long-term in mind and think about going through phases of building muscle and phases of losing fat. Maybe a starting point is to go through a fat loss phase because that's usually what most of us are looking for. Okay, next problem here that we face folks that are short on time. And I can relate to this, um, many of us short on time where we've got priorities, we've got things to do, where we're up early in the morning, we uh, go, 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 we've got family, we've got commitment, we've got work, we've got things that we need to do, and often exercise gets pushed down the priority. So we're stuck, but we go, oh well, I might have 15 or 20 minutes here or there, is it even worth me doing some exercise? And the answer to that is, yes, some exercise is better than no exercise. Because you might be thinking, well, gee, Steve, I've only got like 15 minutes. Every exercise program I see is, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. What's the point of even doing 15 minutes if they're all, you know, an hour to get effective? Now, realistically, any exercise is good exercise. And when we look at things like the Australian Physical Health Guidelines, how much exercise we should be doing, you know, it's... Two and a half and a half to five hours of moderate exercise a week and moderate exercise is like going for a walk or doing the gardening or going for like a swim um, or playing golf so it's just doing some physical activity and most of us do that in life where we, where it's almost a chore we go okay well i need to do the gardening or i need to do chores around my house or i need to go to the shops and walk around the shops for half an hour to do my groceries so most of us do that physical activity level the other side of it is either two and a half to five hours of moderate activity or one, well, one and a quarter hours, so one hour, 15 minutes to, uh, I think it's two and a half hours of vigorous activity. And that could be things like running or aerobics, um, stuff that we talk about with, with exercise. So the, the guidelines is, is quite low where, you know, we're looking at maybe two hours a week and you break that out throughout the day, uh, each day, seven days, you know, that could be like 10, 15 minutes every day of just some vigorous activity. And again, some of us might do that just through life where you gotta run to get the bus or something like that where we do those vigorous activities. So some exercise is better than no exercise. Now, we offer a solution at Rise where you can complete things like the workout of the day, so the WOD, and we have an ever-growing list of short workouts that you can do if you're short on time, or maybe you're traveling and you did not have any ex- uh, equipment with you, or maybe you just want something fun and new, you can just complete the WOD workout of the day or previous WOD, so you can do that there. Now, if you are wanting to do some sort of structured training, which is beneficial because, you know, we know that repeated baths stimulus can improve results and things like that. What we can do, one option is maybe split the workout uh, up. So when we look at volume prescriptions and we have four workouts a week is pretty common in most programs, where you may, might be able to split those four workouts in half. So you're doing eight workouts in a week and you might find those shorter sessions, which are, you know, 15, 20 minutes are achievable where you might have a garage gym like me or maybe some dumbbells at home and you're able to get some some sets of squats in and then some sets of lunges in and then maybe do a, a circuit later on if you're doing things like the shape up program. So there's ways that we can modify it there. And then finally, what some folks have success with are things like supersets and Personally, I'm not a big fan of supersets. I think that it negates the performance of the subsequent set. So if I was to do, let's say, squats, and then my next set is lunges, if I was to do squats superset with a lunge, my lunge would be in shambles because I'm so gassed for my squats. I need that rest. So my opinion, we don't wanna rely on things like supersets. It does you know, ruin approaches to training. It has its limitations. Ruins a strong word, it has its limitations. But to save time, we can do things like supersets, um, so that we can get some training in, some movement in, and see some great outcomes. Supersets work really well when they're um, antagonist supersets. So maybe you do an upper body, lower body superset, or you know, front back superset. You know, bicep curl, tricep extension, and you see some of those in our circus that we designed, where it's not let's say bicep, 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 bicep exercise back to back. It might be slightly moved around so that you can. Uh, Rest the bicep while the tricep is working and move on to that next idea with that circuit. Okay. So the main takeaway is that if you're short on time, some movement is better than no movement. Some exercise is better than no exercise. And you can get a really great workout in, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. I understand the logistics side of it gets tough because 10 minutes isn't just 10 minutes. It might be a few minutes to set up, a few minutes to cool down. You might be sweaty. So you might have to go and shower afterwards and those types of things. So that 10 minute workout might end up being, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes of your time. We can appreciate that. So sometimes that 10 minute workout can be really great even when we have half an hour to ourselves. Okay. Now the final question here, uh, or problem, is around pain. Now many of us, the barrier to start exercise and the barrier to continue exercise is when we experience pain. Okay, And there are things that we can do to manage that experience with pain and I've helped a lot of folks in the clinic as an osteopath overcome pain barriers so that they can do the things that they enjoy. Some of those folks loving to exercise, some of those folks loving just to play with their kids. So we can find ways to manage the experience with pain. Okay. Now... Let me start. Now, pain is is really massive. I could probably sit here and talk to you for the next two hours around experiences of pain. We'll just do a bit of a super summary, okay? So when we're training, when we're exercising, some pain is to be expected. And we see that in gym culture and gym language, no pain, no gain. So when you are training, you should experience some or expect some levels of pain. We can rate that pain on a scale of one to 10 you know, one being oh it's a bit just uncomfortable, two, three, half, oh, feel that muscle burn, that stretch, or I don't like it, right? And then on the other side, when it's a six, seven, eight, nine, where it goes, ah oh, geez, fuck my back, or ah, oh, my knees hurt, and like, ah, oh, geez, you know, it's really bad. So we can rate the our experience with pain on a scale of one to ten. Now, what we want to do is to be training under that scale of one to five. So when we're exercising, anything under that five out of ten of pain of your experience with pain is great. Thumbs up, happy days. That should be expected, and that is if you are if you have experienced a true injury or really old, niggling, you know, pain in the hip or the low back or the knee, wherever it is. Some pain is to be expected, and that is during the exercise, immediately after the exercise, and in the twenty four hours after the exercise. And we even see that in things like DOMS, right, delayed onset muscle soreness where you experience the pain after the exercise in the 24 hours afterwards. Now, if that pain is greater than a five out of 10, you know, you're rating it, oh, geez, Steve, it's you know 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 out of 10 pain. Okay, you've done too much too soon. And what I mean by that is when we experience pain, pain is usually like a threshold where when we start applying too much load on the system that our body can tolerate, that's when we experience those warning signals of pain. And load on the system can be that the weight is too much, the volume is too much, like the overall total amount of exercise is, is too much, or there's too much stimulus and stress coming into the system of our body. Now, stresses is literally every stressor in your life. You're dieting, that's a stress. You're training, that's a stress. You're worried about money, that's a stress. You're not sleeping well, that's a stress. You're dehydrated, that's a stress. You know, you have problems at work or in relationships or your family, whatever it is, they're all stresses. Now. When we pile on all these stresses, you know, the kind of idea of straw that breaks the camel's back and you know, just doing a little bit more exercise might be enough to be like, ah, things are sore now, okay? So we need to think about our total volume of exercise the total amount of stresses that are on our body. Now, when we're looking at the training stress, we can modify variables to make it easier, less stressful. And they're the opposite of what we would use to progress. So when we're training and we're progressing, you know, we're adding more weight to the bar, we're doing more reps, we're doing more sets of exercise, we're increasing the range of motion, right? We're just doing the opposite. So to regress an exercise, you might choose just to use less weight. So if it's painful doing 10 reps at 100 kilos, maybe doing 10 reps at 80 kilos, that might not be painful, great, happy days. Next, we're looking at the reps. So, you know, instead of doing 100 kilos for 10 reps, maybe doing 100 kilos for 8 reps. Maybe that's not painful. Great, happy days. We get, we're trying to find that, you know, 1 to 5 out of 10 pain rather than that 6 to 10 out of pain zone, yeah? Next, we can look at reducing the range of motion, yeah? So let's say, um, you know, my finger, for example, if this is my full rep, right? And that's painful when I do a full rep, maybe I'll just do a half rep, yeah? And we can apply that to things like a... a bicep curl, a squat, a deadlift, we can reduce the range of motion so that it is easier on the body, easier on the system, and then may help us to stay under here of the pain tolerance rather than going too high, okay? Now, we can sit there and go, whoa, geez, you know, looking at the exercise execution and things like that, and if you were to film yourself completing that exercise, that could offer some valuable information, And what we're looking for is mainly one that each rep is consistent, where if if you do have a set of one to 10 and rep number one, two, three, four, five, six is, you know, good and they look identical and then rep number seven, eight, nine and 10 look completely different, each rep is completely different, different range, uh, range of motion, different body position and things, that can be a problem. So what we want is consistency in our reps we want, you know, a clear start and stop position with our reps. So, you know, this might be the bottom position. This might be a stop position and every rep is exactly the same. We don't want to be bouncing off connective tissues. So if you are squatting and you're bouncing at the very bottom or, you know, in a bicep curl, you're really bouncing at the very end. We don't want to be doing those types of things. Uh, and finally, this is actually a bit of a Pilates principle. What we want is dissociation when we're training so if you are doing let's say a bicep curl we want to be moving just through the elbow joint to train the bicep yeah so if you are doing a bicep curl and you're let's say swinging or moving around we don't really want to do that so if you think about the exercise that you're doing let's say maybe a simple leg extension so if you're doing a leg extension and your knee is just moving great but if you notice that your whole body is moving while you're doing a leg extension okay maybe things aren't quite right there could you modify the technique so we're focusing just on that one joint? If it's lots of joints moving, let's say uh, hips, knees, ankles, like a squat, okay, great. You know, Try to move just through the hips, knees, and ankles. But if you start noticing that your upper back is moving through the movement, or the lower back is moving, and then we're not gonna say that the lower back needs to be straight or neutral or anything like that, but if your lower back is flexing and extending and bending and twisting while you're exercising, there's probably more load going through that area rather than through the hips, knees, and ankles to complete that movement, yeah? Then that might highlight other problems where you go, okay, well, why isn't the movement happening in the hips, knees, and ankles? Why is it moving the lower back? Is the lower back the solution to the hip, knee, or ankle problem, okay? So, ideas around filming the exercise. And if you're unsure when you're reflecting on that exercise, you can send me that video and we can talk about it. And we can, might be able to find areas that might be small wins and find a solution to the problem. And you could send me a video inside the Rise Method app. Uh, they just need to be under a minute. Um, so if you are sending me larger videos, you might just need to trim it down. And hopefully you know how to trim on, on your phone or device there, okay. So we talked about regressing some exercises, we talked about managing other stresses. So if you are noticing that your sleep is really poor, um, or you're just really stressed out from work, you have an exam coming up, those types of things, that might be a causative factor of your experience with pain. And it might be just a matter of waiting for that other stressor to pass, you know, exam coming up, let's wait for that stressor to pass and then, you know, progress throughout training that way. Other things we might not be able to change, like interest rate rises and everyone's feeling the pinch okay well maybe we might might not be able to change that right now so we might need to look at other solutions there the final thing is to look at our recovery modalities and the main three are our sleep or sleep quality so you might be going to sleep for 10 hours but the sleep quality is really poor so you might need to look at ways to improve your sleep sleep quality your experience with stress of course another massive one uh and then finally your nutrition so if you are Eating less nutrient dense foods. So if you are opting for a really um, if it fits your macros type approach to dieting, and you're eating lots of chocolate and ice cream, and that's all you're getting from your calories, okay, you might benefit from eating some fruits and vegetables. Yeah. So it's not really overly complicated with nutrition, where you know you need to have X, Y, and Z of micronutrients, as long as you're having a range of different colours of fruits and vegetables, and um, you know just eating more whole foods, where you're not having um, exclusively peanut butter and mortadella from the deck, deli as your sources of protein, you know, you're having some um, whole foods and a range of fruits and vegetables, great, ticks all the boxes with nutrition, you, you don't need to see a nutritionist in that, in that case, but look guys, there they are some common problems that folks face with fitness, you know, goal setting, I want to lose body fat, I want to build muscle, where do I start? Um, Around time, the challenges of time and being consistent to a program. What do I do? And finally, with things like pain, you know, pain being a barrier to starting or the barrier to continuing a program. So, folks, I'll be here for the next seven minutes until 7.30, Uh, I would love to be able to give you an answer to a question. So if you've been watching live and you have a question or a query or a doubtful point or something you're unsure of, uh, I'd love to give you an answer if you want to drop a comment down below. Or if you just want to say hi, I'll say hi back to you. If you found this video helpful so far, let me know. That'd be really, really helpful and might help with the old Facebook algorithm and getting this video out there to, to other folks who might find this helpful as well. Um and yeah, if you have any questions around uh training or maybe a certain exercise, we might be able to set up some equipment we might give, do you a little little demo if you'd like um but I'll hold it out to, to you guys to to drop me a question if you have one. Annette says hi Rochelle says hi Chantelle says hi Casey hi Steve I'm in still building am my I'm still building my lower back strength so unable to do deadlifts am I able to modify my plan? Uh, yeah, so you can modify your plan by doing the substitute option. So when you are doing the exercise, you just click substitute and you can change it. Um, or you can just add a new exercise at the bottom of the program, so that's inside the app there. Um, if you're unsure, I might be able to help you out inside the app, you just shoot me a message. Um, now, if you're looking for an option around deadlifts, you can, like we suggested, Reduce the uh, range of motion, reduce the load, reduce the total volume. So instead of doing a full range of motion deadlift, you might cut it a little bit shorter. Um, instead of deadlifting 100 kilos, because I know you're quite strong, you might deadlift slightly lower or decrease the the weight on that. Um, or you can film yourself, and maybe there might be some easy wins on how we can improve that deadlift so that you can actually complete it without being in too much pain. Okay, Rochelle says, "Oh yes, please. Any tips for learning to do a pull-up?" Okay, pull-up, a, a big goal for many folks. You know, it's a very um, universe, universal way to describe it, where it's it's white, white or black, you know, binary, that's the one I'm looking for. So either you can do a pull-up or not do a pull-up. Okay, now, of course, you could do a pull-up and, you know, the bar gets to your nose or your chin or your chest or whatever. It's different ways, but, you know, it's very empowering to be able to do a pull-up. Now, some easy wins for a pull-up are things like using a resistance band, attached to the top and regress the exercise to make it easier. Other folks would use things like a bench, which I actually have this, this phone on, um, and kind of jump up the bar. So you're holding to the bar, you jump up, and then you slowly lower yourself down. So using uh, eccentric loads, you might want to look that one up, eccentric, so you can slowly lower yourself down. You might find that really helpful. The best approach is actually to go to a commercial gym, Now, Rochelle, I know that you train at home, so go to a commercial gym and use the assisted pull-up machine, okay? And that has a really great strength curve because the resistance band, because when you pull it taut, uh, the most resistance is when you're at the very bottom and then it becomes looser when you go to the top. And that's where you need the most help is at the very top when the muscle's shorter. You're kind of strong when the muscle's longer. And the most growth occurs when the muscle's lengthened. So it's easiest when it's lengthened that's not a great match-up. So the best match-up is actually go to a commercial gym and use the assisted pull-up machine so you can get stronger at that. And while you're there, you can use other ways to improve your back strength. So doing things like uh, lap pull-downs and such so you get a stronger lap pull-down. So the main takeaways is one, try to regress it, use things like a resistance band or assisted pull-up machine. Maybe do eccentrics where you might jump up um, into a pull up position and slowly lower yourself down so they're like negatives. Or maybe you have a partner to help you and make it a little bit easier so that you can build up that strength there. Okay. Now, some of us would do things like wrap pull downs and expect that to transfer over to a chin up and, or pull up. And sometimes what we need is a skill acquisition to learn that. So you might have the strength there, you just might need to keep practicing to, to develop that movement. Casey says, still being dead, deadlifts. Uh, Karen says, What's your theory behind only doing one exercise per muscle group rather than say, three exercises per muscle group? Theory of thoughts. Um, so it really depends on volume. So you can see some of the programs in the Rise Method and heck even in the M Challenge and the Max Maxine Challenge in the past, You know, there's nothing wrong with training a muscle group in a particular day. Um, even my training right now, um, let's say today, uh, it was a bit of like a, a posterior day, everyone describe it. So I did hamstrings, hamstrings and carbs. That's really was my legs day. Um, and just break it up. So train the hamstrings in a lengthened position and a hip hinge and train the hamstrings in a, knee, a leg curl position, yeah? Now, what happens if you're training a muscle frequently uh, with lots of exercise? So let's use a better example, the chest. So if you're doing, let's say, bench press, and then a dumbbell chest press and then chest fly yeah that's a lot of volume on your pecs on your chest and by by the very end with a chest fly you might find that your chest is so fatigued that you're not getting any uh, true effective dose of exercise yeah you might get more from just you know giving your partner a hug when you get home because that might be more effort because you're just so fatigued through your pecs especially if you've done let's say you know three four sets per exercise maybe even a practice couple of sets you know once you get to that third exercise you know you're getting into that 10 plus sets of volume in and that is quite high and most literature I recommend is around this kind of like 10 sets per muscle group um, per week of volume. Um, and if we're doing more than that in one particular session, we might be getting to this category of, of junk volume. So you might benefit from, you know, limiting yourself to, so let's say, two exercises per muscle group in one individual session so that we're not doing lots of different exercises that we're just overloading the tissues. And by limiting the number of exercises, it just limits the skill acquisition. So if I do, you know, two exercises for one particular muscle group in one particular day, my brain, it's easier for my brain just to do those two exercises. Because if I do like a hip hinge and you know, I just did a back extension on at home with a, like a barbell kind of rested up against my thighs, you might see that on Instagram. Uh, I didn't post that today, but you, you'll see it one day. Um, so... That's just one simple, easy motion. And then I did a leg curl where I attached this little pulley to the top here and just did a leg curl. And again, it's a really easy move, movement for my brain to learn. If I did lots of different exercises, my brain needs to learn lots of different exercises, which just takes away from the stimulus and the growth uh, opportunity there. So there are a few theories around volume prescription on a particular day, junk volume, and then maybe learning stuff. And it might be better if you kind of split those exercises out across the week so you can recover a little bit better. So there's my thoughts around that. I do appreciate that some folks love body part training. Because, you know, go in the gym, hit the pecs, hit them hard, and you know that you're fatigued because you uh, reach a point where you decrease fitness potential in the pecs. So as you get to the set, set number 10, set number 15 of the pecs, you know that they're fatigued, so you can tick the box saying, yeah, they're fatigued. But, you know, that ruins, like, any subsequent training in the week. We decrease the frequency where we're hitting them only once a week. It might be better to hit them, you know, two or three times a week. So has pros and cons. Um, Casey, Lucy, I don't think you see those comments. Sorry, Casey, I couldn't see them, but we're getting there. Uh, Annette, I definitely get the video to you, Steve. I'm determined. Yeah, Annette, I hope to see those uh, deadlifts for you so I can help you out. Um, and Annette says, I agree. Can you see us, Steve? I can. Casey, not training, but food. Do we lose points if we don't use the meal plan you set up? No, so um, you earn points in the app. By meeting your nutrition goals, that could be by um, logging the meal plan or logging your own food. Um, so meeting the nutrition goal is the calories, protein, carbs, fats, and you earn the points by getting within 20% of that target. So you know, using a round number, if it's 2,000 calories, that's anywhere between 1,600 and 2,400. It's a very big range, yeah. So um, as long as you are, you know, hitting that. that that target, you earn earn the points, yep. That's 10 points for reaching your nutrition target, five points for completing a workout and the maximum 25 points per day. So you might choose to do a walk, log that into your app, do your training session, log that into the app, so that's 10 points there and you meet your nutrition target, that's 20 points, great. You need 500 points, we'll give you 50 bucks and you're going to running to win the $1,000 cash prize. So really cool, exciting competition. And we hope that you stay committed and earn those points. And you can earn those points um, quite quickly. And, you know, you might be able to reach that 500 um, point capacity in if it's four days, you know, in 20 days. So within three weeks, you might be able to reach that 500 point capacity if you're committed to that. So hopefully, uh, you are committed because by being committed, not only do you win a prize, you win the prize of improving yourself, right? You're the prize of transforming your body, transforming your health, and becoming a better version of you. So hopefully it's just a win-win for you, Casey, and, and get you on track. All right, folks, sorry about this tech challenge because now I'm getting some comments on my device. So don't we just love technology here when we get this this experience. So, I hope you found this video helpful, we've gone a little bit longer. We might reintroduce these videos every Monday night or maybe more frequently if you found this useful and valuable and helpful. Um, I do kind of offer these types of problem solving explanations on places like the podcast, so if you haven't already, go check out the Rise Method podcast. I've been doing some shorter solo sessions, maybe, you know, kind of 10 minutes in length, where that might be really great if you were to go for a walk and you can listen to me in your ears. explaining some common problems that folks face in fitness and offer a solution. And some of those are very theory-based where I might talk about the science. Some of those are very um, my experience-based and some of those are my experience with the science. So kind of how I would explain the answer to Karen, where unfortunately, in fitness, there's no, um, you know, dogmas, no absolute right or wrong. There is a little bit of like, ah, there's limitations and benefits of different strategies. And we could talk about the benefits of those strategies and limitations of those strategies. And often I would explain my um opinion about those benefits and limitations, just like Karen's question, just like our superset kind of conversation would bit earlier. Okay. But look, folks, let's wrap it up there. I hope you found this helpful. Hey folks, just quickly before you leave, we have our brand new challenge starting just in a couple of days on the 4th of September. So don't miss out. Head on over to risemethod.com.au slash join and come join us on our brand new app. I'll see you there.